Amen, Lord. We thank you for this morning. We praise you. We want to lift your name on high. Not just here, but we ask your word now to come into our spirit. Let your spirit come into our spirit and give us testimony. And you've, done, you've said it. We, we are children of God because our spirit says you are ours and we are yours. And so we want to lift your name on high this morning and we praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Have a seat. You know, I was thinking, that, uh, there's so many, when you travel around, there's so many uh, verses and so many scriptures, and you don't, you know, and you pray, well, what, what do we want to hear? Well, I want to tell you, this has been very strange, it's been a very strange number of years. As I mentioned last week, we don't live in, I don't think we live in normal times. There's an acceleration happening, I would say a decline it's measurable. Um, the tempo of everything has gotten faster. Did you notice that? Our songs have gotten faster. I, I found a tape from a youth service. Youth, remember, they were always pushing things, right? From 76, 77. We had I have these cassette tapes, you know, from services back then. And they're singing some of the songs we sang this morning. It took about three times longer. <laughs> and even I thought, whoa, that's slow. You could hardly sing, hardly sing the words. You know, it, 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 we've, everything's gotten worked. Everything's way more aggressive. Do you notice that? No? Well, maybe not. I don't know. It's, it's, maybe it's me. Okay, I'm getting older. Okay, that's fine. But, but it's true. But there's also something else that's happening. And I'm not going to spend time here telling us how terrible the world is. You don't need that for me or anybody, but it is. And our freedoms are being more and more curtailed. Our ability to freely worship is being more curtailed. And I'm talking about countries where it was an automatic given. Not even that long ago, I remember one of the bigger churches in America got a notice from the local um, Department of Justice that the pastor was supposed to su submit his whole sermon ahead of time before he preached it. Can you imagine this? In a big church of about five, 6,000 people to make sure it passed their guidelines of, of uh, social welfare. In other words, homosexual and all that stuff. Took it to court, they didn't win, but that, that's what's happening. We're getting tendencies that are awful. And do you know what I found out? We're getting tired. We are tired of it all and discouraged. And I would be lying to you and I would be lying to myself if I didn't admit to you that I'm very often tired and discouraged. But we're children of God. And this morning, I really want to bring you down on the dumps. <laughs> we have way more to live for and way more to die for than we can ever have on this earth. So I want to tell you, sure, getting old isn't a good ride, you know. It's not for those who are faint of heart. You know, Oscar Wilde said this, some people are happy when others uh, feel as if happy when they go, and others are happy when they come. Others are happy when they go. You know... When we get older, we go. 
and nobody can tell you how you go, and that's not easy. Sometimes it's very hard. And that makes fear too. We get afraid. Not afraid of dying, but afraid of the burden and afraid of the difficulties. And Those are all things that come onto you. Those are ordinary age-related, but how about the global situation and all the things you read in the paper and all the moral decline and so on? Well, Isaiah had this to say in chapter 10, verse 1. Oh, Lord, what's this? is terrible. Woe unto those who put out unrighteous decrees. Woe to those that are needy of justice and who turn in chapter 5, verse 20, good for evil and evil for good, light for darkness, darkness for light. Those who pervert righteousness. You know, I, I don't know about you, but boy, sometimes I think it, this can't be possible when I read some of the things that happen. It just, it just can't be right that what is so honest, lawful, upright, correct, is suddenly wrong. It, it's incredible. And I'm not talking about extreme things. I'm talking about ordinary life, things that are good, things that are wholesome. And I've often wondered as a young kid growing up, why would you want to eliminate Christians? Why, why would Christians be so attacked? What's wrong with showing people kindness? What's wrong with offering and sacrificing, opening up your home and, and feeding the hungry? What's wrong with the real servant, the, the, way, the way it says the real honest, the way James says the real true uh, Gottes, uh, serving, um, Gottesteins, how you say, uh, serving, uh, serving God, is to clothe and feed and visit the widows and so on. What's wrong with that? The world looks on that as wrong. And the government is starting to take over the role of our mandate given by God to care for us. And it's depressing. Habakkuk. You know, Habakkuk had lived in a time, the, the, the northern kingdom was already kaput, but the southern kingdom, and he was a prophet for the southern kingdom. And it was the last few years, and he said, oh God, you can read Habakkuk. It's not a very long book, so I've got three chapters, but oh God, help. Why are you letting this evil happen? Why is there such unjust injustice? Why is there this? When are you going to come? And God spoke to him three times. He said, the law is powerless. There are perverse judgments happen. Therefore, the law is powerless. Habakkuk said this. This is around 720 B.C. The wicked surround me and righteousness is perverted. But Paul said God has given us a spirit of fear, right? What has he given us? A spirit of a sound mind and of power in the dark age. And God answered Habakkuk. And he said, you know, the just shall live by his faith. And I will send evil to you, the Chaldeans. You know, the Chaldeans were one of the most perverse, dark, saddest there were. You can read their exploits. And when they came to the city, they were already encroached onto Jerusalem. And when they came and Sanharab came early, when they, he started mocking God and torturing people, Habakkuk was afraid, genuinely afraid. He said, I will send them, but I will come and save you. But you will die. Many of you will die in a dark age. And we are in this dark, dark age.
There's fear. There's unknown. We can have a nuclear war anytime. It's literally, just it's by, by a drop of a pin. But I want to tell you how do we counter that. That's, I, ha- I think I have the answer. I can say the word of God, but there's something very concrete and strong and powerful this morning I want to share with you. The first one is, God loves being praised. If there is darkness around you, sickness, worry, and concern, praise God. Don't praise him for that. Nowhere in the Bible says, oh, Lord, I praise you that, you that I'm sick. It doesn't say anywhere in the Bible. But I praise him in the sickness. I praise him in the adversity. I thank him for who he is. Psalm 22, I mentioned it last week, verse 3. You know the, dark, the darkest psalm that probably is in, in Scripture that describes the crucifixion and the... And, and Jesus quoted from that psalm on the cross. But, but verse 3 says, But you inhabit the praises of your people. God lives among our praises. And I want to encourage you this morning, in this darkest time, and the darker it gets, to praise Him even more. Amen. And that means it's an act, a choice. It's not a feeling. It's an act. It's a choice. Psalm 103, we all know that psalm, the first five verses. It's one of the praise psalms. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. And forget not all his benefits. Who forgives you, listen to this, forgives you your iniquities. I'm sure you've heard many messages on this. Heals all your diseases. COVID. What are you afraid of? Jesus said, well, come. He heals all our diseases. Who redeems our life from destruction and crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. And then he even gives you food. He satisfies your mouth with good things. But listen to this one. So that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Do you know, Isaiah quoted this later. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. But those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with like eagles. You know, there's a German word I've got to tell you about that. Those that wait. That's a, again, it's a pretty weak word. Remember last week, the word was river. River. The German word was Wasserstrom. Well, the word in German here, those that wait on the Lord, it doesn't say wait. Die auf dem Herrn harren. Now, harren is something else. Harren, it's not here, by the way. It's, harren means to wait in the knowledge of fulfillment. There's a big difference. If I wait for a bus to come by, and I know he's supposed to come by, and I know he's come by every day, I believe he's going to come by. But if I'm a new, I'm a stranger here, and I wait hopefully for a bus, I may have the wrong schedule. I don't know. But I still wait. But if I know, and if I press that switch, and I know it's going to, the light's going to go on, I, don't, I am expectantly waiting on the Lord. And those that expectantly wait on the Lord, that haran, that means it can be long, it can be short. I know it will happen. There's a big difference. That's why we bless the Lord, O my soul. You see, you bless the Lord in that you praise him. Habakkuk 3, verse 18. You know, this is after the third 
intervention. He's had God came back and came back and he said, oh my goodness, oh God, are you really going to do this? Yes, I will. And then, but the just shall live by his faith. Yes, that's chapter 2. But chapter 3 says, I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. I want to encourage us this morning to rejoice in the God of our salvation. We have every reason to be happy. Every reason to be more than conquerors. Because in that, in the fact that we rejoice, there's strength. Now, the second one that I want to see, we praise him. But it cannot happen without humility. Do you know that you've probably read this in Proverbs? Six things God hates. No, seven are awful. And the seventh one is a proud, haughty look. God resists the proud. Do you know, you can be here this morning, and I can be here this morning with all kinds of good intentions. I want to praise God. I want to just lift them up. And so, but if I have any amount of pride in my life, he can't, he can't use it. He, he, he can't get through to me. I, I, I can't praise him unencumbered. The first thing we have to learn living in the praises of God is to humble ourselves before the Almighty. James 4 verse 10 says, humble yourselves before him and he will keep you down. I, I, that's a new translation. What's it say? Humble yourself before God and he lifts you up. Not you. You see, this is so counter our, our new age thinking. Oh, you, the power inside of you. No, 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 no. Humble yourself before God. Know who you are in him. And what does he do? He lifts you up. And when God lifts you up, then I can praise him unencumbered. That's way different than if I think my way through it. It's a way different world. Isaiah chapter 57. I think it's verse 15. I'm not sure. But it says, I will dwell with him who has a contrite and a humble spirit. We all know Psalm 51, David's psalm. Oh, Lord, renew a right spirit within me and create in me a clean heart. Right? James 4, verse 6 says, God resists the proud. In Matthew 23, verse 11, Jesus showed us what it means to be humble. The greatest among you is the servant. So when we learn to be humble and learn to serve, we come into this wonderful place of being able to lift up the name and praise him. Because he lifts us up to praise him. He created us to praise him for communion with him. Now, let me tell you this, the second, the third one here. It's to wait. The word haran, to wait. Well, okay, it says it in English, wait. You know, um, there's something interesting about waiting. I, when I was young, well, maybe even now, I'm still young, I think, to myself, but I have, I've had a big problem with patience. Maybe you're, you're I'm the, could be I'm the only one, but I had a real problem with, when I taught, I used to teach, and I had a real problem 
teaching because I, I didn't have the patience sometimes. Does anybody, can you identify with this sometimes? You, or you don't have patience with yourself. That's even worse. You know, when you, I, I used to, I love doing handiwork, like working in, and then I'd be yelling at myself down there. What did you think you're doing? I'm talking to myself. I can't stand it. I, I just don't have the patience. But you know, sometimes it's exactly when you're still, that's when things happen. Do you know Psalm 46, verse 10? Be still and know that I am God. Isaiah 30, verse 15 says, I think I got to think this one out. It is in returning. And rest you shall be saved. In quietness is your strength. And then, you know, Lamentations chapter 3, verse 25. The Lord is good to those who wait. And then verse 26. It's good for a young man to learn how to wait on the Lord. Do you know, um, there's beauty in waiting. Uh, so often we want to get somewhere. And it's, it's actually the journey that God wants us to learn things. Isn't it? We want to get to heaven today, right now. But God says, no, 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 no. There's, there's a journey. I want you to smell the roses. I want you to influence. I want you to help. I want you to build. I want you to be my hand extended. We have a, a job to do. And, and it's in doing, in waiting, we find the job to do. It's not sitting idly and, and being a hermit. I'm not talking about that kind of waiting. There are times for pulling back. I'm not saying that. But being still and to know that I am God means that I have the power of God in my life, but I am aware, I'm waiting, I praise Him, I humble myself before Him, and now I'm still and I wait. I learned that sometimes the hard way in music. Um, do you know what's really difficult about playing the piano, or any instrument for that matter, professionally, is that you are not going to be the best in the world, whatever that means. There's always going to be somebody better. And usually there's probably, probably 10,000 people that are better than you. And you worked so hard. And you've done so, oh, and then you even win some competitions. And you think, oh, and there's always somebody better. And somebody else will win. And you come trying and you're trying and you get restless. You get upset with yourself. You lose patience. But I want to tell you something about music. When I had to learn enormous amounts of music, the idea is to, oh, I'm going to, you buy it, you get the music, and oh, I'm going to work my way. I'm going to get, I'm going to learn this stuff fast, fast, fast. Get, and you work your way, and suddenly you peter out. You can't do it. I found that the greatest progress that I've ever made is in moments of stillness. Pull yourself away from the problem. That, of course, as Christians, we know the Holy Spirit guides us in all truth. And he will lead and guide us. Suddenly we pull back and we get aware of this incredible beauty, this power. And the concept, I had, some of you can, I'm sure you can identify with it. Sometimes you have a problem that just does not work. And next day, boom, it's like a, it unlocks. It's in the stillness and in the waiting that we find the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not always, in fact, usually not when we jump around and scream and yell. Usually it's in this quiet moment where the Holy Spirit talks to our heart. And when we praise God, we make noise, of course. But we praise Him with our being. We praise Him with our actions. 
You know, Graf von Zinzendorf said this. He's, he said, in, 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 you've heard it in English, the word of God must be preached everywhere. And if necessary, with words. If necessary. You see, we have power and we become his hand extended in that we wait and we hear from him. We don't have to speak. In the quietness and in our actions, that's where we praise God. And that brings me to my fourth point. How do we resist this horrible darkness around us? Well, I think music is one of the best solutions. I'm sorry, I'm biased. <laughs> oh boy, I don't want to get... I, I, gotta, I, I wrote down points just so I don't get off the topic here. I want to tell you that the first fundamental point is that our life is a sound. Our life is an odor, a smell, a fragrance. Did you know that? I said this, I shared this once in a service. You know, Philippians 4 verse 18, when Paul got the gifts, he says, oh, it's a sweet fragrance, an offering, remember? And then he, and then he, meant, and he, he wrote about it in Ephesians chapter 2. He also wrote about, about, about the, the wonderful smell, the fragrance, the sweet smell. Or 2 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 15. The fragrance we are to God, the offering, the sweet-smelling offering. There was somebody that I knew who was a Christian who decided never to take a shower. That's true. Uh, can you believe that? In this day and age, a European, of all people. German. Yeah. I'm not going to, I will never, I will never tell you who it was. But, and, and I had to stay at this guy's house. It was nauseating. So I asked for the shower. The shower had plants inside it. I said, get them out of here. I got a shower. Oh, okay, okay, you know. Said, what? And so, of course, his hair's greasy, and he's, he's trying to witness. So I had to speak on this word one day. It just happened to be about being a sweet-smelling odor, a fragrance. <laughs> the next time I saw him, he had showered. <laughs> no, sorry. That's not what Paul meant, but I tell you, if you want to be a good Christian... Our witness should be, oh, oh, sure, the word of God is like a sharp sword. Too often we go like this when we witness. How about opening our heart and loving our neighbor? How about it? How about praising God with our being in our actions? And that's where I say our life is a sound. We generate a sound. And because I work with music and instruments, now I've I got to tell you this, uh, the violin is a fascinating construction. The, the violin is one of the most expensive, actually it is, the most expensive thing you could buy as an instrument. Way more than an organ, more than a piano, more than anything. And I've played with friends back in the 80s that, where the violins already cost over a million dollars, just one instrument. And now they're $10, $15 million, whatever. There's something very special about how a violin is made. And there's a, 
there's a violin maker, his name is Schilske. He's a, a German violin maker, and uh, he wrote a book about the sound. It's fascinating. I, I, oh, it just grabbed me, but it was fascinating for me anyway. But what I'd like to say is that the first thing he looks for wood is the grain and the kind of wood and where it's aged. Because out of that wood comes a very particular sound, very peculiar. And you, you would go, he would cut out tons and tons of, of, of this wood, shave it and carve it and throw it away. Every piece of wood has a unique sound. And, and I know my piano teachers that I studied with some of them, they would go to the Steinway house in New York and every Steinway is hand built. And they would pick out the sounding boards. And I know my teacher flew to New York from Canada way back in the 30s and picked out a Steinway in a studio and said, I, and he walked through this in the, in, the, in, the, in the warehouse listening to the sound. He says, I'd like to have that particular wood for the sounding board. And then they work with it and they come back. Every single good piano like that is uniquely different because of the grain. That's all, there's a lot of other things, but the way it's worked with. But there's more than that. There's a building process in that. And I want to tell you that we as Christians all have a grain. Do you know where the biggest problem is in churches and among Christians is the grain? We say it's personality. Um, it's the grain. Some grains just do not fit. They, they don't. And so what we have to learn under Christ is that we get formed and polished by his blood so that we fit together one another. And then we become a good sound. But until that happens, our life and our church and our family has a bad sound. Isn't that sad? And very often it's because we don't learn to tune our life in harmony with your Creator who made us. And I would say that this morning when we think about it, we all have different grains. We all have a different DNA. I, that's the message for another day, but the DNA is fascinating too. Some of us are, if I compare it to cars, I mean, some of you are a Cadillac. Some of you are a Toyota little one. Some of you are a tank. Some of us are maybe a SUV. Every car has its purpose. And if I'm going to go out in the wild, in the backwoods, and I take my Cadillac, I'd be nuts. Cars are going to get stuck. But if God sends me out there, he'll send out an SUV or, 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 or a Jeep or something. And some of us are Jeeps. Why are you doing the work of the other person? Why am I doing your work? God has called each of us to a very specific task. We are a special grain, a special wood. He looks at us. That's why he says in chapter 2, verses 8 to 10 of Ephesians, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good deeds that he has prepared beforehand that we might walk in them. You see? That is the beauty of the creation of God, and that's how we praise him. You know, I, I, you've probably heard this. Get out of your comfort zone. Praise God and get out of your comfort zone. Have you heard that? I, there's something to be said for it, but I disagree with that. 
My comfort zone just, I mean, not in general, but my comfort zone, it might be my laziness, okay. But my comfort zone might also be something that God gave me to work with. You know, in the ministry that we've done all over the world, I'm always amazed at some of the people that get on my nerves. Christians. And then I realize, uh-oh, I get on their nerves. <laughs> and I say, how can God use that person? And then I work with them, and all of a sudden, wow, I, they do so, I'm blown away. How in the world did that person do that and reach somebody for the gospel? There's no way in the world I could have done that. But God used that person with that character, with that grain, with that DNA to reach that soul. And to, this morning, I, I think God wants to use you and me, specifically with the way we're made. Can you see that? Is that reason to praise him? Oh, I think we, we can live in victory that way. That's fantastic. It's just, it, well, our deeds make good sounds, and I, I can go on and on for that. You know, even the best-sounding instruments, when they don't play in harmony, sound like garbage. Somebody went to a symphony concert once for the first time, and they asked him after the concert, how did you like it? He said, I, I loved the part in the beginning the best. Well, what do you mean? Oh, when everybody walked out and they just played anything, you know, some their tuning of their instruments and they're fiddling around. And when they all started playing together, I didn't like that. He said, you got to be kidding me. Oh, yeah, they could, they're all, you know, warming up and stuff. Most people will say, that sounds like cacophony. That's awful. It's just a horrible sound. And all of a sudden, the conductor puts the stick down and you hear a chord. And you hear them all playing together. You see, that's how it is. Everyone is different, but they are all brought together like this morning by the blood of Jesus and by praising God freely and humbling yourself before the heavenly conductor. Okay. Now I want to give you a second last picture. Praise, humility. We wait on the Lord. We recognize our bodies, our lives as being music to him and offering I want to give you one other thing. Young as an eagle. That's a very interesting picture. That's very strange. It only comes twice in the Bible. Psalm 103, verse 5, and Isaiah 40. It, young like an eagle. Then I thought about grass. You know how young grass is? It can grow tall, right? The rain comes, the wind comes, what does it do? Bends over, and the rain stops, sun comes out, what's the grass do? Gets back up again. Old grass gets hard, brittle. I've done this for 50 years. You don't tell me how to praise God. I know what I'm doing. I've done it, I've been there, done it. And then comes the storm, and what happens to me? I snap. I want to encourage us that are older to get a heart of flesh, which is what Ezekiel said, a soft, malleable heart, to bend again with the impulse of the Holy Spirit so that we can live our life praising Him and lead others to praise him. Can you see that?
to be pliable in the hands of the Creator. It's a very difficult order. It's not easy. I think it's, it's probably one of the hardest things about getting older. We have comfort zones that we're used to. I, I, we just do. But that works both ways, by the way. Young people are sometimes the, hard, the hardest, toughest, because they don't care if they, they don't snap. You bang them up and they get up again. I experienced that when I used to play football. If you knock me down, now I'll stay down. Order a casket. But that's how we have to learn to be flexible, humble in spirit. Accept the grain of other people. Accept it. Recognize it. I'm not talking about making concessions on core values. We're not talking about that. I'm talking about getting along with people, knowing and loving them, and leading them to Christ. And now let me close with the eagle. This picture of the eagle is strange. No, we come from Canada. And, and just excuse me there. Canada is uh, a big country, and we have a lot of eagles. We have the bald eagle, we have the North American eagle, and actually more pretty than the one we saw at the, at the, at the reserve. Like really gorgeous. I mean, and their wingspan is more like, like nine feet, like, like three meters. Big things. But they're not heavy. An eagle is not heavy. An eagle has keratin. The bones of an eagle are hollow. It's like your, your nails. Hollow. So here's what happens. It's an interesting picture. I just did a little bit of research on that, and I wanted to tell you, they will renew their strength like an eagle. An eagle is on the top of the food chain. Eagles get to be very old. Their eyesight is phenomenal. An eagle, typical eagle, can see a thousand feet which is 300 plus meters, in, into a, a dime. You can see a dime from that distance. So when they go after prey, they know exactly what they're looking for, and they can see it. But it needs good eyesight. If he doesn't have good eyesight, the eagle's in problems. Here's what happens when the eagle gets old. The feathers get longer. The eagle gets heavier. Ah, it's a problem. An eagle, have you ever seen an eagle flap like a chicken to fly? They know thermodynamics. They can tell. They sense when there's hot, cold air. An eagle will open the wings, give himself a push, and pick himself up or herself on the thermodynamics. An eagle understands. The feathers have sensors on the front, and they can, the wings, they can tell exactly what to pick up. There's more. The claws of an eagle grow, too. They get longer and longer, just like our nails. So it's happened before where an eagle will go after a fish. Do you know why the fish have a different color on the back? When they're, up, when they're dead, they have a different color. The back, they flip over. That's a dead fish. So they can escape prey. That's how that works. An eagle will go right after those fish and often grab the thing with his claws. If the claws are too long, it's happened. Where the claws, he wants to pull, he didn't see it was a big fish. The fish is too strong and pulls the eagle down and it drowns. The eagle can't get rid of the claws. They're too long. That's the end of the eagle. Then the eyes. Cataracts grow over the eyes. The eyes get filmy. So what we read in Scripture about the eagle renewing his strength 
Listen to this. I've seen part of this happening in, in, in Canada, in Ontario where we are. What the eagle will do is I, I, it realizes it's getting near the end of its ability to get food. So it goes to a high perch where it's unassailable, where it won't be attacked. Sometimes it's in a country on a pole where there's nothing, but it'll go to a high mountain or somewhere and stay up there. It'll pluck out the old feathers. And the new ones are growing. That takes a long time. The beak and the nails, he'll chisel off, break them off. So the new ones are back strong at the right length. But here's something I'd never suggest we do. I've seen this. An eagle will stand for days staring at the sun <laughs> with his eyes open. Just like that. And follow the sun. So that melts off this film. You try it and you'll never see again. I've read up on this. I mean, I'm not sure. Every year, but anyway, it's how what I read up and it was very interesting. Then one day it recognizes, oh my goodness, I've got my strength back. And it'll scream. You'll hear it screaming. Full of joy and power. And just lift off. And it becomes young again. And gets food again. It can live. That's how an eagle gets to be old. And you see, an eagle waits knowingly to get this power. It knows what to do. It waits quietly. It doesn't get angry. It doesn't fluster. It doesn't, get, doesn't beat itself around. But the eagle waits and renews its strength. That's what the psalmist wrote about. That's what Isaiah wrote about. Let us wait this morning and rebuild what God has given us. Waiting upon him. And I want to show you something. I just want to close with this. Do you know, as I was uh, thinking about this service, <clears throat> and I thought about praising the Lord, did you know there was a time in Europe where people actually praised God? <laughs> I mean, massively. There are many revivals. After the Reformation, after Luther, and so on, there were many revivals. Hus before already in, in, the, in Czech. But you know, there was a great composer, Felix Mendelssohn Bartholdi. He was born in 189. And he died in 1838. Pretty young guy, huh? He's 38 years old. His sister, Fanny, was a brilliant concert pianist and a composer. That wasn't good for a woman to be a composer in those years, so, so she often composed under his name. Later, she did a few, put her name to pieces. She conducted a choir, which wasn't, they were both Jewish, but the family converted to Protestantism, got baptized. And in his music, you hear this dichotomy between the cantor, the Jewish, stern father, and the Reformation. And you hear songs of the Reformation. There's the Reformation Symphony. And Mendelssohn was one of the greatest geniuses when he was alive. Um, he was probably the greatest genius alive. Wrote five symphonies. And the second symphony was called the Symphony of Psalms. And if you want to be encouraged, go home, look it up on the YouTube. It's still performed all over the world today. 
Here's how it works. It's 60 minutes long. The first 25 minutes is simply, simply symphonic. And you have this symphony orchestra, big orchestra, plays three movements, fast, slow, fast, of all the main themes, develops it like a regular symphony. Then, usually, two to 400 voice choir stands up, and they sing the, a lot of the psalms, all the pray, praise psalms. And it, closes with, it starts and closes with Psalm 150. Everything that has breath, praise the Lord. This is in a concert hall. Can you imagine this? It is so fantastic. In the middle of this um, symphony, and of the choral part, there's this wonderful song, Now Thank We All Our God. You know that one? This one here. I'll play it for you. Here it goes like this. Like this. No. That song? Well, you know, it was written by um, Reinkert after the Reformation in, 18, uh, in 1537, uh, what am I saying? 1637, after Luther's, and in a little town called Eisleben, we drove by there, there was massive disease, a lot of persecution. In that little town, thousands of people fled into this village and sought refuge. And he was the main chaplain, a young guy, young married. One year he had 4,000 funerals. Tens of thousands of people were buried in that city. And in the middle of this burial time, he wrote, now thank we all our God, who has done wondrous things. Can you imagine that? In that depth of despair, and he lost his wife, she died. He could write, thanking all our God. And this hymn is in the middle of it, with a choir. Now, I have to apologize, it's German. It's just the way it is. I can't help it. So I, I want to play for you, orchestral, this orchestra, this, here's how it's, this is now the end of the orchestra part, and now comes, the, or, uh, the choir stands up, and you hear the orchestra going, boom, ba-boom, 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 ba-boom. And here's the main theme. Alles was Odem hat, that means everything that has breath, goes like this, like this. That's the main theme. Alles was Odem hat, lobe dem Herrn. Everything that has breath, praise the Lord, right? And then he writes that into a fugue, and then it goes into hallelujah. That's how that choral part starts. And I want you to get the, the sound of this. It is so overwhelming, so fantastic that all you have to do is you lift your hands. It's just so fantastic. So here goes. I hope you can hear it. I'm putting it on here. Now watch this.
Can you imagine in the concert halls all over Europe, they're praising God? Oh. You see, when your voices are in, in harmony, when your spirit is in harmony with God, and I'm saying we as Christians, as followers of, of Christ, we shouldn't have frictions like that. We should rub them off. Let the Holy Spirit rub off our differences. The grain that's so rough. And let us in unity praise God. Isn't that wonderful? Now, do you want to hear the choral version of Now Thank We All Our God? It's two verses only. And what happens in the middle of the choir part, the choir sings without orchestra. And this is amazing. When you watch the production, if you ever want to watch on YouTube, it, there's, there's a couple of soloists and so on. The dark night is gone and so on. In the middle, all of a sudden, it's all quiet. And the choir sings, Now thank we all our God with heart, with heaven heart. Oh, man. And then it says, Who does great wondrous things. And then it says, the second verse, and his holy, the three unity, the God, the holy, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And that's where the timpanies hit big. You want to hear that? Okay, I'll play it for you. Close the service with that. That is pretty exciting, i got to admit. Here goes.
Does it not lift your heart up to heaven? No? I'm sorry. Oh. Oh, you know, I wish I could sing. I can't sing. If I could sing, I would love to be singing that. Just, just lifting your voice up, praising God for who he is. So I suggest, let's stand up. Let's all stand up and praise God, just freely. Just as, as you're, and, and I'll go down, just praise him as, you, as, your, as the Holy Spirit gives you utterance. And just let's praise him together and we'll close the service that way. Heavenly Father, thank you for who you are. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You are the creator, the maker of heaven and earth. Hallelujah.